0: You're listening to Plans We Make. I'm Rafiq Bhatia, guitarist for Sun Lux, and this is our second of three episodes discussing the theme of voice with some of our favorite artists and collaborators. Today, I'll be talking with Holland Andrews, a composer and performance artist whose voice expresses a near-prophetic balance between beauty and pain. I still remember the hair-raising feeling I had listening to the opening eponymous track from their album Bast, back when they were recording under the moniker Like a Villain. After we met, Ryan, Ian, and I invited Holland to be a part of Sever, which appears on the final volume of the Tomorrow's Trilogy. Simply put, it immediately became one of my absolute favorite moments on a Sunlux record. I had the chance to catch up with Holland recently, and this is what we discussed. Holland.
1: Rafiq, what's up? How are you doing? You know what I've been, how I've been answering that question recently is I just say I'm good in other things where it's, I'm not really lying and it's vague enough to where like, I don't really need to get into all my business, you know?
0: I mean, that is a perfectly meaningful and unburdened encapsulation. (laughs) Are you in Brooklyn?
1: Actually, right now I'm in Portland, Oregon. I got here a couple oh, days ago. Um, nice. Yeah. So I'm doing, I'm here doing an artist residency with a choreographer, a friend of mine, Will Rawls. And mm-hmm. it's really wonderful to be here because I used to live here. I lived here for 11 years and then I only moved to Brooklyn like five months before the pandemic started. it's so my first time, <laughs> Yeah, right? I mean, you know, I, I say this a lot with everything that happened, I don't regret moving to New York. Like even even being here and coming to a city, the first city that I ever chose to live on my own and being in a place that was like familiar on my own accord through my own like cultivation of having a familiar relationship with a place that I really wanted to move to. I still miss Brooklyn, I still miss my apartment, I still miss my neighborhood mm-hmm. and getting back into socializing and building community that had been super slowed throughout the year. But it's been particularly meaningful to find connections with people through music throughout the pandemic and collaboration and these like zoom connection things (laughs) like letting zoom be the replacement for like the thing, because it's all we have available. And it's just so, it's just so interesting getting to know you and Ryan and Ian in the context of all of this separation and making this music together and still sort of feeling like, Hey, I know y'all, but like, do I, it's like, I don't, I don't, but like enough to just let it be satisfying, I guess.
0: Yeah. I feel like, the extent to which I know you through music is like as this incredible, like and powerful inner voice that like speaks to me from a dream. (laughs) Like it's just like the, like the way that you sang on sever is one of my favorite things that I've ever been a part of making. Like, it's just, it's so, um, I feel like this is usually the case with, you know, particularly when um we work on things in sunlooks and i'm like the least involved in something that i'm Mm -hmm. able to like appreciate it as something that you know because i didn't really like have to muck it up with my own contributions you know
1: Mm. you well i wouldn't say i would give you more credit because you i remember on the calls that we had maybe it was just one. It was like one sort of very chaotic FaceTime call because Apple decided to like really do something with their new format. No offense to Apple.
0: They're listening. They're
1: listening. They're <laughs> listening. <laughs> there's just a laser that you just see. For everybody's listening, there's a laser that has arrived on my forehead. Um,
0: all of them, like iPad. Apple and Zoom and all the other like technological overlords that are like. Consciously monitoring this conversation of all of the conversations that are happening on their platforms right now. They're all in their own Zoom group chat, and we're like this shared screen thing, and they're all like kind of looking at each other, and they're like, oh man, Tim Cook's got like a different thing on the wall today. Like he's, you know, he's like low like key dog just dog is barking. But what this. I was going to say, yeah,
1: <laughs> the things that you were saying in the directions that you were suggesting in the call were like totally how you speak about music and your ideas, it's like they're being translated from like an infinite world inside of yourself. And that world is like this like expansive universe. And you're inviting us in it when you are giving suggestion or when you're like talking about how music makes you feel or Mm, when you're talking about what you want to create. And I was like blown away with how you were um, expressing and phrasing some of the some of the directions that the textures could go in, in certain parts of the song so you know oh you should, man
0: that's, you, that's... Can,
1: you can give yourself some more credit you know it's
0: okay. no it's not, I mean it's not like that like I'm not I, I guess what I'm saying is like the way that your singing feels is like what you just described like when you're saying like there's like mm-hmm. this infinite world it's I feel like listening to your voice in that context and other contexts, that infinite is a good word because Mm. there's this sort of like, there's a degree to which like density can like approximate continuousness, you know, Mm. like Mm. if you, if you think about like the, even the way that this audio is being recorded or this video or whatever, it's all in like frames and samples and stuff like that. And it's like a bunch of little dots that are like, our ears are like piecing together to be this line, you know, and, I feel like in music, there is a way to like harness density in such a way that it becomes like clarity, you know. And when I listen to your voice and the range that it conveys, you know, that is something that like always comes to mind for me is like, how can something that has this much character and nuance hit so directly, you know. And Thank you. Yeah, I'm just really... Really blown away and, and grateful to get the chance to talk to you today about other things also, but voice is like the sort of like loose, overarching subject for this season, you know, and I think we can think about that in terms of like a physical manifestation, but also in terms of like a, a psychic or like metaphysical kind of like concept and as a um a sort of personal intent or something, you know, as a, like, personal manifestation. So I want to see if we can touch a little bit on all of those things.
1: Yeah, we can. You're speaking (laughs) my language, homie.
0: Oh, great. (laughs) So. I'm so glad.
1: You know, before you go into an interview, you're like, am I going to have the enough, like, information to share about what we're going to talk about? But everything that you just described, I'm like, oh, Okay, <laughs> let's go there. I'm yeah, ready. Yeah.
0: No, and I ready. I know that you have plenty to share on all of the <laughs> subjects. So this is this is perfect. But um I want to take it back. When did your relationship to your voice as something that was um like it doesn't have to be singing, but like when did your expressive relationship to your voice begin? Can you pinpoint like a, a specific period of time or even an instance or something like that where you kind of became aware of it or was it kind of more of a gradual thing?
1: I think the awareness of it maybe began through my sort of obsession with voice actors for cartoons When I was a kid I just loved watching uh, yeah I was just I was just an indoor kid in Southern California who just like loved to watch cartoons too much and found myself you know doing doing voices doing characters me and my family um, particularly on my mom's side, they were all performers and singers so kind of like being connected to and activated by voice and performance was just something that was so normal for me mm. um and then also i did musical theater summer camps as a kid and so i've always had this history of using using my voice to be like an immediate transmuter of emotion or experience mm-hmm. um And even from a young age, I found that like performing was a way that I could finally have a container to just feel whatever I wanted to feel and have control Mm. over what I was feeling just through the act of performance, depending Mm -hmm. on the scene that was happening or the song that I was singing or how something needed to be emoted. And for whatever reason, I was just always very like yeah, like I said, activated to that process. So I think the, it wasn't as much of a concrete awareness because it's just like, it's just play, you know, like you're just doing something simply because you like doing it. And it's just, it's this passion that keeps falling out of you. And then you just keep following it just because, you know, without any desired um, or attachment to outcome, It's just like the doing of the thing is the thing that feels good. So you just keep doing it. And it just so happened that, I kept on doing it in this particular way with exploring um different sounds and voices and impressions and i think it was probably doing Im- impressions of cartoon characters and of different singers that allowed me to play with my range um, yeah because my my upbringing in in music was mostly just from performing um, and not from learning through academia um, but but nonetheless it, it's still it's still practice and that's something that you get to do in academic settings having that time that space carved out to just focus um, Yeah, and i just sort of did that in a more like non-linear way
0: yeah no i mean it shows <laughs> it shows in the, in the best of ways in the best of ways that time has been it stretches back far <laughs> yeah mm, but i mm. wonder um, one of the ways in which we were just talking about like the concept of voice is like sort of as this like manifestation of intent or of like a a sort of personal sort of a communication of personhood and of yeah i guess i'm using the word intent in this case to mean like your intention for how you wish to um just be in the world you Mm -hmm. know and Mm -hmm. and there's something like when we say like, oh, this person has a voice in music or this person has a voice on an instrument. In that context, we take it to mean that they're, you know, or maybe I'm just saying I take it to mean that they're communicating something personal and honest enough and that is a choice enough, you know, or a series of deliberate choices enough to be perceivable as a... Um, at least a version of this person or of mm-hmm. a a concept that you, you know, as a listener might take away for who this person is and what they're about, you know? And, mm-hmm. um, when we talk about impressions and, you know, I mean like a lot of like all of us and a lot of creatures in the world, like learn through trying to approximate the behavior or the, um, you know, sort of way of carrying oneself that you see in, like, other people or, you know, you know, because on the one hand, like, when you do an impression, you're, like, specifically emulating something that's outside of yourself, you know what I mean? Like, you're, like, changing yourself in order to fit your perception of, like, the voice of somebody else, you know, Mm. and I feel like in your music, and in the presence that you bring to the music of others, you know, like there's a version of becoming oneself that involves reaching beyond where one imagines oneself to be centered, you know? Like you're like, you have to push outside of yourself or beyond the confines of what you could expect from yourself in order to get to something, you know, that's how you grow on some level. But like, do you feel at all as though, to this day, in terms of like how you use your voice to explore the many different sides of yourself. Do you find yourself thinking about that at all in relation to that early sort of like, you know, doing impressions of other things and like sort of imagining yourself to be something else? Or is it actually just that it's so incorporated into like a personal multiverse that like, it is just different sides of how you perceive yourself? I'm sorry, that was a very long-winded question, but I don't know how to ask it with too many fewer words.
1: No, I was vibing yeah. out. I was like preacher, preach. You know, <laughs> um, no, I love that question. It it kind of rings deeply with a lot of questions I've had about where, what are the limitations of self, particularly myself, because this is the body that I am inhabiting with the history that I have lived. Um, and the people that I've met and all the people that lived and died before me for me to even be embodied with all of this history. So I I think often when I'm performing there's parts of me that come through that I don't even really recognize but I don't think my, my lack of recognition of them doesn't mean that it is not of me. I think there is just a part of me that has removed an awareness of who I think I am in order to let this other aspect come through. And yeah. so I think in, in building a practice of doing that enough, I get to play and find other aspects of myself. I, I, I try to build this sort of natural empathetic quality in the way that I sing that people can really understand what I'm feeling just on how I'm expressing something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand that through like exploring the the multiverse of who I am and how that intersects with everybody else in the world. Sometimes I do these workshops, these like um, vocal embodiment workshops, but they're, they're it's low key therapy, <laughs> Yeah. but because like I'm, because I'm like a performer, it's like a workshop, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, but I, I build this exercise where you, say a word or phrase and i'll use um i love you as an example Mm -hmm. um you say i love you three times out loud three times in your head and three times in your chest and when you're saying it in your chest it has no word it has no shape it is only feeling and it's almost as if you are transmitting the the phrase I love you to a being that doesn't know li- written language, it doesn't know spoken language, it only knows this like emotional telepathy. So, <laughs> so in the workshop, we go through these three transitions. You know, I love you, I love you, I love you. Mm-hmm. For, for people listening, I was gesturing around my my heart center to to convey I love you as an emotion. And so, you know, going through these um, a few times, and then eventually. Staying in that feeling of just, I love you just contained as an emotion, purely as an emotion, and then staying there as long as you can, and then begin to hear like a buzzing or vibration or a sound, and then um, uh, singing that note, and then beginning to sing uh, exclusively from that emotional place. Um, which is that place that I understand to be of um, of freedom, of play, of passion, of um, limitlessness. Um, because the uh, logic and analysis doesn't really exist in in the sort of like the fantasy of emotion. Um, there's there's not there's not as many boundaries for like what things should mean, how things should look, how things should feel. Um, those thoughts may arise because obviously uh, all these parts of us are kind of inseparable, you know, Um, unless you're like a monk somewhere, just like, you know, going hard on like meditation all day and like do that, but that's not all of us, you know, and it doesn't need to be. So in, in the exploration of just coming through the purest expression of emotion that we are able to cultivate that gives room for, for me to like find all these different aspects without really without space for for doubt or judgment. I don't know if that answered your question.
0: No, very much. So. I mean, it's it, it revealed an assumption about my question that has to do with the idea that there is even, like, any thinking at all happening in those moments or a desire to be analyzing what's happening in those moments. And, you know, like, I, I think that that's also... It, it kind of gets at this aspect of, like how we layer these expectations onto ourselves and about how the things that we do might communicate to each other. You know what I mean? So, like, there is, like, an extent to which when I'm working on something, you know, and I'm sort of, like, sculpting away at it, I, like, there. there's a degree to which I might be thinking, like, okay, I want this moment to really kind of get small and hollow in the center so that when this event happens that like is coming next, that it has this perceptual contrast to it or something like that. You know, like I I might be like in tune with the way that I want myself to feel as a result of like creating and then experiencing this sort of sound sculpture that I'm working on in a moment. And I just wonder how over time, like, you know, you said that this kind of started from this, by this, I mean your experience of the sort of range of possibilities of your voice as an expressive device began with like impersonating like different cartoon characters and stuff like this. But like (laughs) at what point do you feel like that exploration of things that or outside of yourself started to become a realization of the limitlessness of what was within kind of.
1: Hmm. I, I, so I think that the best way I can think to answer that is at some point in writing and performing music for a long time, I, I wrote and performed songs under the stage name, like a villain, um, particularly when I lived here in Portland and then started going uh, officially as Holland Andrews, which is my birth name, when I moved to New York, just for for ease and um, consistency with the rest of the stuff that I was gonna be doing. Uh, but but there was a point where you know, in just playing uh, playing house shows and. Uh, venue shows and sort of feeling like uh, there was a there was a role of musician that I needed to play and just writing songs and performing songs and kind of thinking this is where my my analytical mind was kind of uh, a, a limitation for me where I thought that my identity as a musician had to look a certain way that it should that it should be something and that just wasn't really doing it for me because I just felt I felt too much to to kind of confine myself to just a a certain way of um, expressing and writing and performing music. And then when I started to feel more uh, confident, that's where I began to actively integrate these other aspects of myself in my songwriting. And I think one of the biggest epiphanies in really just being like totally integrative of doing every single thing that I wanted to do as a performer and as a singer was Right before I moved to Brooklyn, I was playing the opening of this festival. It's the TBA festival in Portland. Um, and it's this really incredible performance art festival. They have um, performance art, dance, music, um, workshops, all kinds of things. It's a really beautiful festival. Um, I was playing the opening and I was going on a walk. And then I heard this, this sort of like intuitive voice just say, you get to be whatever you want you get to be whatever you want. Um, you're not just a musician. And then I really found this sort of like this sort of opening where I was like, oh, well I can just, there's no rules. I mean, there's rules, but like a lot of them are just like made up or we keep abiding by them because of um, some idea or some person or some like uh, societal construct that we gave power to at some point. So we keep kind of appeasing to these like invisible groups of, critiquers, you know, but it, I think i I found, uh, there was this opening in me where like that just wasn't, that didn't matter to me anymore. And so just really going hard on doing every single thing that I ever wanted to do in performance and just doing it in every single context that I could. So there's, there's moments in some of my improv performances where I mean, like, like I'm doing a lot of gigs right now anyway, but, <laughs> but when I was, you know, um, There'd be moments where I would uh, start to make up stories that I had uh, or make up conversations that I had between me and my therapist that like never actually happened, you know, or maybe they did. And then go right into making a bird sound and then go right into building some vocal orchestration with clarinet and then like serenading an audience into feeling like they can love themselves again. You know, I think it was for me, it was just recognizing that I didn't, it, it, it wasn't necessary for me to just play like I was one thing anymore. Like the 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 most the most kind of clear effective application of that epiphany began at the end of uh, 2019, and I think up at you know there's a lot kind of happening in my own personal emotional spiritual life evolution that led to that kind of breaking point um, or that opening. But I think that's when that's when it was the most clear. And when I put it into um, the the highest
0: of use. Yeah, wow. It's interesting that you, the context in which you're expressing that is like one of, like you don't have to just be a musician, you know, um, mm-hmm. you can be anything that you want to be. But I'm kind of curious, like, like I've never seen, I've seen videos of your performances, but I've never seen you perform in person. Mm-hmm. And yet I feel like, there is so much communicated through a recording, you know, it's certainly like speaking without all of the other context, you know what I mean? Like, and I just, I'm curious as to like whether that impulse to like burst outside of the frame and not be sort of like kept down by the constraints of any sort of form or packaging, (laughs) depending on how you look at it, you know, whether those in some way are audible, you know, if the traces of those things are actually making them, you know, if you were blindfolded and all you had were your ears, like, mm-hmm. can you hear it? Mm-hmm. I think I can when I mm-hmm. listen to you, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. I, I love that. Um, that reflection. I can hear it. I can kind of personally hear it in my last in the EP that I released in February mm-hmm. because that was the first kind of like entire release where I did all of the production, I did all of the yep. mixing, you know, I my my hands were on every single atom of that EP.
0: You guys and... if you haven't heard this for everyone who's listening to this, you have to go listen to this EP. It is so good. Like mm-hmm stop what you're doing put this on pause in case you want to hear what holland has to say afterwards (laughs) i imagine you will but go listen to it right now yeah it's really really great but anyway you were saying that like you felt like you through making that arrived at at sort of like this fuller realization of who you could be i certainly heard that in listening to it um i'm curious to learn more about that
1: yeah thanks so much that That was such a thanks. (laughs) I'm like trying. I mean, thank you. Emotional with with gratitude. Yeah,
0: it's
1: really nice to hear that because the only like kind of coming back to using to using like the emotion as um, the measure of uh, the effectiveness of the the thing that you're trying to create. That EP wasn't was entirely that. And there was, uh, there was still, I mean, not that like analysis is, is not a part of that. Like, I think, I think when in balance with each other, when in harmony with each other, they make some of the most incredible work that could, could ever, you know, be, be made. Um, and for me being the only one doing everything, I didn't really, and my, my analytical mind is often um, just like critiquing more than probably what I feel like is useful. <laughs> And I've, and I've spent a lot of time in my life, just like um, healing my, my interior world and how my thought patterns are and just um, really, really truly feeling like the more that I am able to have a sense of love within myself, the better art I get to make. Um, and this, this EP is sort of coming from that, the realization of that truth. Um, in, in, in being able to just allow, allow the trust of the, the, the sort of like emotional universe just to, just to take over. Yeah. Here, the reception of the EP being so positive is incredibly validating because so much of it is like kind of coming back to this idea of like, which aspects of myself or myself or other people and where do they intersect? And it's like, it's something that is for me and for everybody, because I am not unique in like the, the. The profound emotional soothing that I need just to exist day to day in this world like I'm this this is a (laughs) this is a this is a through line that we all get to share and it's um I've sort of made it my goal or mission but not really even not not intentionally in that kind of way like I like doing it because it's like that it's just like a choiceless thing it's like this is you know, there could be other options, but I don't, I don't even know what they are. Cause this is the one that, that just is, you know, this is where yeah. all the passion falls. Uh, yeah, there are lots of stuff in, in that AP where I'm like, I don't know if this is going to work. Like the last song is just me singing a cappella into my iPhone with like some processing on it. And then like, but whatever I'm, this is, this is what I want because I, because I, I like how it makes me feel and just always letting that be the, um, the the kind of default like if there is any doubt for like well what will people think or like how will this be looked at by you know reviewers or whatever just these sort of like natural things that can arise being a being an artist in today's society these are just um you know these are just aspects of the life that that we get to live in and which is okay I just know I'm just going to to tweak and cultivate and make until I have um the most effective execution of the feeling I'm trying to create. And the way that I understand that is by the amount of presence I feel while I'm listening to the thing that I'm making. If I'm not thinking about something else or like wondering if like something else should go here, if I feel whole and complete emotionally in making of the thing, you're nodding your head because you get it because I hear it and what you make too. Oh, um, man. that was That was just like the entire foundation of getting to do this EP and getting to do it without the it being filtered through anybody else um Mm now that I'm opposed to collaboration obviously I love collaboration because then I get to grow along with these other kind of brilliant people that we're all we're all orbiting around Um, yeah but no but there's something to be said
0: like when it's you you have to make every little decision and that forces you to like consider everything you know yeah um well you don't have to I guess but I feel like I can tell that you did you know yeah. <laughs> and it's it's just yeah that's that's incredibly powerful as like a way of you know like you have to be centered as it's inside of yourself in order to be the best collaborator you can with other people and and that's like true in music and in relationships and in everything you know and I, I just feel like I've been personally feeling that way lately where I'm like I'm due for a check-in with myself you know like I, I need to like spend some time making things by myself and and working on things by myself so that's really exciting and inspiring for me to like hear about how that went for you
1: mm-hmm. so I was talking to my friend Rob Robert Alexander uh I'm just gonna hype him for a second he just won an Emmy for for making that show The Shop on HBO uh he's he's a he's a homie and I love him so much but something he was talking to me about he's somebody that I talk to when I'm sort of needing uh some extra drive and motivation. Cause he's just like, go, 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 go. Like mm-hmm. do, do the best you always. And um, which, which is great. Also like rest, rest is important. Um, not that he doesn't recognize that, but I'm just going to say that for people listening. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: uh, something that he strives to do when he works on music is he's trying to making something that impresses himself. And that is something that resonates with me very deeply. Um, yep. I don't know exactly like what I think. And I think the thing that does, Make me feel like oh I've impressed myself is when like what you said Rafiq is sort of like going beyond the limits of where you think you are and then finding uh-huh. some, and then finding it there and then bringing it into the thing that you're making that it's sort mm-hmm. of like oh my God this this other aspect that like I reached for being further than what I expected of myself is like now here and it's just like making me feel this feeling that is um, exponentially greater than what I could have imagined um, mm-hmm. so I really try to reach for that experience in um in pretty much everything that I do. Uh, mm-hmm. but it also makes for like a lot it can make for a lot of disappointment when I don't, yeah.
0: yep. when I don't
1: like <laughs> <achieve> that. Yep. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I feel like I'm constantly like, oscillating back and forth between like excitement and disappointment as an right? artist like
1: it's just a binary there's no yeah. there's no in oh, there's
0: anxiety anxiety <laughs> is the like middle point you know like it's like when you like get right in between those two things it's right yeah I mean one other thing I wanted to ask you about was with regards to your experience like producing yourself and and working you know with your voice like entering into the the sort of spaces of the like, you know, digital world of sort of organization of and treatment of like musical information. And as somebody who has such a strong kind of like deep connection to the way of like dealing with a physical interface, like, you know, with your voice and also the clarinet, like, Mm -hmm. how do you feel when you work with a computer does it just feel like another instrument to you? Does it feel different? Is it exciting and frustrating and some combination of those things? I feel like now I'm just asking leading questions, but I'm just <laughs> curious like what your experience with that has been like.
1: Yeah. So like a lot of people, we who do music who primarily did like like like, performing live was like you know their thing that was mostly my thing doing production on a computer all on my own was um not something I really did since like my my uh garage band days when I first started to uh to write music it was actually using garage band in like 2007 when I even you know knew that I could make anything because I only mm-hmm. ever played monophonic instruments. I, I sang, yeah. I played clarinet and, you know, I used to play a tenor saxophone. And, I feel like
0: and your singing at band. least challenges the notion of the voice as a monophonic instrument at times.
1: At times, yes. yeah, <laughs> at times, but I'm not, but I'm not like but, building chords and going through, you know, modulations with, I mean, I know what
0: you mean, but I'm just yeah. saying like, <laughs> there is some stuff in there.
1: There is some, there is some stuff in there. But in in playing around with GarageBand and um, uh, just layering voice and you know clarinet or saxophone, that was my first introduction to using production. But I had mm-hmm. but once I began performing live and using um, loop pedals and building samples uh, with the loop pedals and then triggering them and you know I used to play with like a Glockenspiel. I feel like if anybody's listening to this who used to see me perform when I lived in Portland. Uh, my heart goes out to you, and I love you so much. If you were, if any of you were ever there, <laughs> um, so I, I was. I was lucky in that I already had this sort of introduction into using programs and writing through GarageBand, which is a very rudimentary program, or at least it was at the time. You know, it still is now, but it's 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 great that people that, that yeah. so many people have access to get to to write. Yeah. And then using hardware and then performing and then live was just kind of the only way that I felt that freedom uh, for so long. And then even recording albums was just like not really something I liked doing um, mm-hmm. because I needed to like find, I needed to find a replacement for the thing that I just loved doing so much, was, which was performing. And so yeah during the pandemic got more acquainted with using Ableton and I think the hardest part for me with this program that can just do pretty much everything and knowing nothing about it was like well what is my what is my entry point like how do I start and I think the once I found my kind of own unique way because we all have our own unique ways of just like writing doing production you know i'm sure if we we look at anybody's like process we're like what you do it that way yeah. i do it this way and then you're like you do it this way but we're still but it's still like i think that's just a, a, another cool like reflection of how we get to um how we get to be ourselves and make our own sounds
0: yeah. Um,
1: so the, the biggest hurdle was just going through the kind of like clumsiness of just like making shit that I knew was mediocre <laughs> and that it wasn't, it wasn't like the full, um, the full effect of, uh, of my own spirit and sound. And I think that the EP at least was like the most, the most effective full effect of my spirit and sound. And it just, it just took a lot of practice to get there. But also coming back to like these drones that I make, making drones was also a way that was an a very easy entry point. Um, She's very like, like like you said, like sculptural sound sculpture pieces that I would just make by, by layering every single sound that I wanted in there and then just automating them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was my process. It's incredibly tedious. And I hope that I find a faster way of working. But this is where I'm at right now. And it, um, and it's, it seems to be like bringing, bringing what I want. Um, and there's still so much that I get to learn because I, it was really only during the pandemic that I started to like write with my computer and not having access to my pedals and being in a space where I can be loud and free. And then when I did finally have access to a space to be loud and free, I would record uh, you know, my improvisations with my loop pedal, with my voice, and then bring those into the session and then play with those with um, with the with the ways in which I was already learning how to write within Ableton. So um, and I'm excited for that for that process to just continue. Expanding because I'm really only no. I'm really only at the beginning of it, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Oh my God, I'm excited for that too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, thank you so much. This has been a really wide-ranging conversation, and yet I feel like we're only scratching the surface. So we're gonna have to do this again sometime. We're gonna
1: have to do it again. Yeah. When I'm in the van and we're all on tour together, just yes, just
0: that is <laughs> definitely gonna be one way that it happens. Do you have anything? coming up that you want to let people know about
1: i do these phone call performances and it's another one of those things where like it's disguised as one thing where really it's just therapy just because that's how that's how i roll you know um the choiceless decision to just like try to help people feel better. And I do these in these phone call performances. Um, mm-hmm. So if people are interested in, in booking one of those, I think by the time this is posted, I'll be up and running doing those again. I'm taking a little break right now because I'm doing this residency here in Portland. And also, I just want to say that pay attention to every single time you feel compelled to do something that will make you feel like you are um expanding your sense of who you are um, like if you're curious about something like that every single time that arises for you follow it every time and then really really define like the specificity of that feeling so every time it shows up you know to follow it every single time because it will never be wrong it will never ever, 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 ever be wrong. So I think I just wanted to to say that
0: as well. Preach. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks
1: so much, Rafiq. You're you're just you're just so cool. I really love talking to you. Oh, I can't wait likewise. To we, can, we can chat
0: again. Yeah. yeah soon I oh. hope. Thanks to my friend Holland Andrews for joining me. Head to hollandandrews.com for more about their work and follow them on all the usual social media networks if you feel so inclined. Plans We Make was created by me, Rafiq Bhatia, and my Lux bandmates Ian Chang and Ryan Lott, and was produced and edited by Chris Jacobs. Special thanks to executive producers Michael Kaufman and Hannah Hauser for all their support, and be sure to subscribe to Plans We Make wherever you get your podcasts. Next week, Ian will be taking the host duties and interviewing Darian Donovan-Thomas. I'm Rafiq Bhatia. Thanks for listening.